Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number two in this series called Drawing Near to God. You know, this this whole concept about drawing near, I, I hope you got to listen to the last message. It was just introductory, but it kind of laid the foundation just for the fact that we have this inherent need to draw close to God. Now, again, that doesn't mean that God is far away from us. And it's so important that you realize that God is omnipresent. He is all places at all times. So the real truth is God is never far away from anyone uh, in reality. But in experience, as far as what people are experiencing in their own heart, uh, we can feel incredibly distant from God. You know, David Wilkerson was a, a famous uh, preacher back in the 60s and the 70s. He started Teen Challenge. A lot of incredible uh, work and but unfortunately, uh, David was such a legalist. I mean, he preached such hard, condemning, and scary messages sometimes. And you know, I remember, I remember he he had this message. I'm I'm probably going to quote this wrong, but it's going to be close. Uh, taken from a scripture in the Bible about the uh, like the earth being iron and the and the heavens being brass. I think is I think is the way the Bible talks about it. And, uh, you know, he would talk of, he, in this message, man, he would have you ready for the fact that, that whenever you did something wrong, if you failed, if you committed a sin and you started seeking God, the earth would be iron, the heavens would be brass or whichever way it says it, you know, in the scripture. But the point was, what he was saying is that God is basically going to close himself off to you. Now, I'll tell you something. I don't know about you, but since I've been a believer, I've failed many times. And of course, our conscience condemns us. Now, anybody who says their conscience does not condemn them when they commit sin, when they do things wrong, that person actually has a heart problem. Because if you don't have any sense of shame, and I'm not saying it should abide on you, I'm not talking about getting into a sin consciousness where that's all you think of. But I'm telling you, if you have no regrets uh, or no uh, negative personal emotional responses to committing sin, to doing wrong, to being unkind, then you've got what the Bible calls hardness of heart. And so when our conscience is violated, and I'm not going to go into the details of that right now, we will later, but when our conscience is violated, we do feel alienated from God. And the Bible talks about our sin separating us from God. <clears throat> now, there are a lot of scriptures that are very, very, very literal. And then there are a, a lot of scriptures that are not so literal. literal. They are they're describing something that we experience on an emotional level, but that is not necessarily what is really happening. And so when we have this sense of being alienated from God, when we have this sense of being separated from God, the real truth is that is not real. It is real in our experience. 
And so the problem is when your heart condemns you, and one of the ways that your heart condemns you is by you feeling distant uh, from God. So if your heart condemns you and you feel distant from God, uh, then according to the apostle John, you cannot receive uh, the answers to your prayers. Now, remember, it doesn't say that God is not still willing to give. It means you have the inability to receive. As a matter of fact, the book of James warns us of a similar in a similar way that says that when we get into wavering, uh, where we are not in faith, think not that, that we will receive anything from God. Well, again, that word receive means to take hold of something and to bring it unto us. So receiving has nothing to do with whether or not God is offering. God is offering salvation to the entire world. God is offering mercy to every person who fails and sins. God is offering uh, a deliverance from every person who is taken into some trap of bondage. But the question is, are we willing and capable to receive what he offers? And if we're not willing, or if we don't feel like we are capable, then we won't receive it. You know, we have just got to move out of the, this legalism. There's, there's so much legalism in what is called the grace movement today where people intending to encourage us uh, by pointing out things that are true, but they're not, they're not the full truth. They're, they're, they're not the full counsel of God. I did a great series on, on the full counsel of God uh, back a few months ago. It's on my website. You can check it out for free. You might want to go listen to that. What gets us in trouble most of the time is, is we will find a scripture we will lift out the part of that scripture that we like, the part that makes us feel more comfortable, and we will ignore the part that uh, is challenging and difficult for us to, to deal with. So we need to understand the Bible is full of warnings about how things can affect us. You know, uh, the first sermon I ever preached uh, in a denominational church when I had just been saved a few months uh, was taken from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25 and following. And there was such an incredible debate about once saved, always saved in the Baptist church. And, and, uh, and see, Calvinism, you know, there, there is, uh, is, is a belief that basically says God is in control. You don't do anything. Uh, that anything that you would do to engage God is a form of, of dead works. And so really, there are a lot of people who think that they are preaching grace when actually they are preaching extreme Calvinism. You know, I did a meeting one time, there was a guy there and uh, has a book that I really like. There are things that the, I've heard the guy say that are really, really liked. But I'm telling you, he was so, he, he attacked me the whole time over the whole concept of, of guarding your heart, developing your heart, establishing your heart. And, you know, he went as far as to say in one of his meetings, actually the last meeting that we had uh, in that series of meetings, he went as far as to say that uh, anybody that's telling you that you need to pray about stuff, you need to use faith to make something happen, you need to uh, do anything about your heart, that person is leading you into, uh, into works. Well, yeah, those are good work. There, there are some works we are supposed to participate in. But... You know, this whole concept of God being in control of everything, 
uh, which would mean that everything that happens to you, God's either doing it or he's letting it happen, which uh, uh, that is one of the things that Luciferians uh, teach. And they say God can't be good because when you, if God's in control of everything and you look at all the evil that's in the world, then God must be evil. God is not good. I'm telling you something, that is something that the enemy wants you to believe, that God is not good, that he is not consistently and predictably good. And I'm telling you, this thing about God being in control ha has destroyed more people's faith and has turned more people away from God than possibly any other doctrine that the church has ever, ever embraced. We are created in the likeness an image of God. We are given authority here on planet Earth. And one of the things that we realize is, is because of that, we are the ones making the choices. It's what we believe and what we choose that determines what happens here on planet Earth. If there's wars, it's because men want wars and they ignore God. If, there, if there's chaos in, in, in relationships, it's because somebody in that relationship is doing something to bring chaos. God is not doing these things. God is not mysteriously sending things into your life. So by the same token, whenever we feel alienated from God to jump up and say, see, God's in control, so he has removed himself from you. No, we feel removed from him, and we, on some level, some emotional level, and maybe on some behavioral level, have actually withdrawn ourselves from him. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, it says that uh, when we, you know, when we're tempted, when we go through these things, it says to come boldly before the throne of grace, that you may find mercy and grace in your time of need. Now, one of the things you should realize right off the bat is since these are divided into two different words, uh, mercy and grace are not the same thing. If you define them as the same thing, you will end up with some corrupt doctrine, some corrupt theology, some corrupt beliefs of the heart that will limit you. But but my point is, is, we're supposed to come boldly in our time of need. Well, I don't know about you, my time of need is usually when I have failed or when I'm about to fail, when I have been tempted in entertaining something or when I'm about to give in something. I mean, my time of need is usually the time that I probably am not going to have uh, boldness where my conscience is going to be violated. And so, so you realize then that, that God wants us to be bold, but our emotions are not always going to let us uh, feel bold. Uh, and so that's when we have to know the Word of God, and we have to draw near to God. And listen, God has prescribed ways for us to draw near. We're going to start talking about some of those today. Let me just say this. I am not offering a a new series uh, this month. Uh, instead, I am going to pour everything I can into this video series, which everybody can have for free. But I am going to encourage you to help us take this message to the ends of the earth. We are engaged in what we call Operation One Billion. We are raising up Bible schools all over the world and prisons and, and different places, every, every, churches, places where God opens the doors and give us, gives us the opportunity. And so uh, we need world changers to step up with us and to financially walk this out with us so that we can keep doing this. We don't charge anything to set these Bible schools up. We raise all the money for that. 
So if you'd like to become a world changer with us and take, you'd be taking part in everything that we're doing to change the way the world sees God, you'd be helping us in Operation 1B, and you'd be helping us start Bible schools and do all the things that we do all over the world, then I'm going to encourage you to go to my website and on the on the front page, just look for world changers and click that and, and come and help us do this. And as a, a way to say thank you, I'm going to send you a download of a series called Creating Divine Connections. And in this, uh, in this series, we're going to be talking about this whole principle of draw near, where it's talking about how to draw, how to use this biblical principle for connecting to other people. But it's also about how to use this for, for how to connect to God. Listen, in the Old Testament, you know, we are, we, we are repeatedly told about different kinds of offerings, sacrifice, feasts, and kind of all of those, all of those roll into, into one thing. And so people have developed the idea uh, that all of those sacrifices were to appease the wrath of God. And uh, sadly, there's just so much that, that we misunderstand about the sacrifices, and, and therefore we misunderstand the character and the nature of God. But it's so very important that we come to realize this. You know, the, the word offering, and sometimes the word offering, according to what translation you're reading, might be, might be translated as sacrifice. But uh, 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 actually, sometimes an offering is actually a sacrifice. It's something that you are bringing because maybe you're maybe like in, in the New Testament, we we bring sacrifices to God. We bring offerings to God. You know, in Hebrews thirteen fifteen, it says it says by Him, that's by the Lord Jesus. Let us continually offer the sacrifices of praise to God. Uh, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is, is well pleased. Now, when you think about an offering or a sacrifice, again, you, you, you kind of think about hardship. You think about giving something up and really by extension, you start kind of having this sense that in the Old Testament and even people who give uh, tithes and offerings in their, in their local church, you almost have this sense that you're buying God's favor. And, uh, uh, you, you know, you hear a lot of teaching that kind of implies that, so that really, really doesn't help. But the word offering in the Hebrew language, and I always like to go back and start with, with, with the Hebrew language, the word offering is, in Hebrew, the word korban. And we will go into more great detail and and talking about uh, the the uh, that word and how that how the root word of that expands into greater deeper meaning than than our kind of shallow sense of offering today, but you know we still bring offerings to God. Now, one of the things I want you to realize is this: God really doesn't need anything we've got. And this is so very, very important. You know, I can't even tell you how many times I would be sitting in church and I would hear someone uh, use the scripture uh, referring to the fact that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And usually when somebody was uh, used that scripture, they were trying to receive an offering. And basically what they were trying to say is, look, 
a God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You give, and now he's going he's gonna to slaughter on the cows and give it back to you. In other words, he's going to provide for you. You're going to be eating steak. You're going to be eating high on the hog for the rest of your life, yada, 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 yada. Well, no, that has nothing to do with what that with what that scripture means. If you go and look at that scripture yourself, you will see where where God is talking about the sacrifices and offerings that people bring. And basically, He said, "I don't, you know, I don't really want them, and they're not for me." And He says, "Look, if I needed a sacrifice, I'm paraphrasing a little bit." He says, "If I needed a sacrifice or an offering, if I was hungry." I would kill one of these cattle and eat it myself because I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And the whole point of that is to say, I really don't need you to bring me anything. And, you know, uh, you have to wonder if somewhere back in antiquity, that priest started uh, kind of teaching uh some of the things that we hear now about God giving back to us for often. Now, listen, I believe when you develop your heart through giving, I do believe you put yourself in a position to prosper, and we will talk some about that in this series. But you are not buying God's favor. You can't buy God's favor. If your offering cause God to give back to you, then your offering would be dead works. And one of the foundations of the faith uh, for the new covenant says we have to repent of dead works. We're, we don't need to be doing anything that we think provokes a response from God. God is who he is. Uh, God's character never changes. He's always faithful. His word is all is always good. And so we really got so many messed up religious ideas when it comes to offerings, when it comes to sacrificing for God, when it comes to serving God. Uh, when it comes to getting God to respond to us. So, so in, in the Old Testament, all of the feasts and all of the sacrifices where you would bring an offering to God, the word for offering, and really in the book of Leviticus, everywhere that you see the word offering, as far as I can remember right off the top of my head, is the word Corbin. Well, that word for Corbin means to to draw near. It actually means to to be related or to become related. And so one of the things you realize from that particular word, you realize that every single a feast, every single sacrifice, every offering of every kind that God ever instituted was never done to number one, to meet any need that he has. Secondly, you also realize that none of the offerings and none of the sacrifices and none of the feasts and none of those ceremonies were designed to draw God to you. In other words, there's never been an offering given where uh, that provoked God to draw closer to you. The real truth is, remember, God cannot violate our will. He will not violate our will. He, you know, he will draw us. He will woo us. He, he will work in every way he can. But at the end of the day, whatever's going to happen in our lives between us and God 
is going to happen because we choose it. We, we want it to happen. We believe for it to happen. So every one of those feasts, every one of those sacrifices were actually designed in a way to draw uh, the, the heart uh, of the worshiper closer to God. Because when the Bible says that our sin separates us from God, it doesn't separate us from God on God's side of the picture or on God's side of the equation. It separates us from God because of the way it affects our heart. Uh, you know, in, in the Old Testament, there were uh, there were guilt offerings. And, you know, a guilt offering, basically, you may not have done anything wrong that you know of. You just may have felt distant to God. You may have felt, you may feel guilty about something that wasn't necessarily even wrong, but you do have guilt about it. All of these are things that in your own life experience separate you from God. You know, one of the things I, I began teaching back uh, about 40 years ago uh, was the, the fact that in, in the Colossians, it talks about how that God, how that Jesus reconciled us to God, who once were alienated uh, in our minds by our wicked works. And so the implication there is that that alienation that we had from God is something that we're experiencing in our own mind. It does not mean that it's experienced in God's mind. That's somewhere around Colossians 1.20. You can look it up, 119.120, right through there. So all, all of these ceremonies, all every little technical part, and you know, man, there were a lot of technical parts to all of these offerings, I am telling you. And I have studied these things for decades, and you know I can't remember all of them. I don't even try to remember all these details. But every single thing that took place in one of these ceremonies where there was an offering that was designed to have an impact on the worshiper, not on the Father. The Father said he would always be there. He's omnipresent. He can't leave us. You know, the psalmist talked about, you know, you know, if, if I make my bed in hell, you're going to be there. You know, in other words, you're always there. You know, I was telling the example of Dave Wilkerson preaching these scary messages back in the 60s and 70s, uh, you know, about about how that if you sin or you did something wrong, the earth's going to become iron, the heavens are going to become brass, God's not going to hear your prayers. And I remember, I remember one time when I had one of the biggest struggles I had in my life as a believer uh, I remember hearing that message and thinking, man, I am in for it now. Now, I'd never been a legalist. I'd never really thought much about that kind of stuff. But, you know, the amazing thing was there's a goodness of God that draws you to repentance. It's not the fact that God closes you out and that God stops loving you and that he starts being unkind to you that would make you want to reconnect to God, that would make you want to draw near to God relationally. It's the fact that he never changes. He's always faithful. He's always good. He's always merciful. He is always ready to work in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that he just he just overlooks everything. No, we have to deal with our issues, and we're going to talk about that. You know, very interestingly, by the way, in, in the different sacrifices, which are offerings, uh, and, the, and the different ways that it, it tells you to draw near to God, there are two of them, I think it is that you are required to do in the Old Testament. And there are three that are voluntary. Now, the thing is, a lot of those principles of the Old Testament come forward into the New Testament. 
And so there are certain issues uh, based on the writings of the apostles that we have to deal with if we want our heart to stay open. Uh, uh, just because just because Jesus has already died for our sins, and He has, and will you know will never be drawn to Him, trying to get Him to shed His blood again, trying to get Him to do something that is going to become a new sacrifice. No, every time we come to Him, we're coming to Him on the basis of what He has already done. We are never trying to convince Him to do anything. But my point that I want to make about about is this. So God has made, made these promises, even in the Old Testament, never leave you, never forsake you, never fail you. He would be merciful. He'd forgive iniquity. He'd forgive sin. He would forgive all of these different things. He just said, but I won't clear sin. I just, I won't let it go. I'm going to, I will forgive it, but I absolutely cannot just give you a pass for sin. And there's a reason for that. And we can't go into all, all of that right now, but so then he designed each one of these different ways to bring offerings slash sacrifices to him. Now, I want you to think about something. There are so many things, ceremonies, even in the New Testament, that we do that uh, really, in, in true spiritual reality, really don't do anything. But it's, what ha it's what's happening in our heart that's doing something. You say, well, then why have the ceremony? Well, ceremonies become a part of, uh, of an influence uh, in, in, in our palpable physical body. In other words, whatever we combine, action, physical feelings, emotional feelings, spiritual truth, when we combine all of those things at once, it has the power and the tendency to have a greater impact on your heart so something really really happens in your heart that that connects you to that event you know uh, in the book of colossians it talks about how that baptism um cleanses us uh by faith in the operation of god not see it's, it's not the ceremony of baptism it baptism is where we do something to mentally and emotionally connect with the fact that we have died with Jesus, uh, we have been raised again into newness of life. We now have a new a new life, and if we if in our heart we are believing the things that are consistent with the ceremony that we're going through, then it is going to have a greater impact on the beliefs of our heart. And it is what you believe in your heart that, in fact, determines how you feel and, and how you experience God. Because everything that God does for you, he's already made our spirit perfect. So everything that comes into the experiential realm of our being comes via the heart, believing something in the heart. So everything about the blood, and we're going to go into that, everything about Everything about taking an animal's life, everything about laying hands on the animal, everything about making confessions over the animal, every bit of those were types and shadows of things that we do and should still do. We just don't do them the same way in the new covenant, but we're doing them now engaging in Jesus so that we have this experience in our heart where we literally experience drawing near him. Listen, be sure and go to my website. Uh, you can go to drjimrichards.com. You can go to impactministries.com. Check out. We've got over 2,000 messages on video messages for free. 
We got all kinds of resources. Be watching. We're going to be giving you opportunity to participate in Impact International School of Ministry, uh, which is currently and has been for the last 40 years, been raising up leaders all over the world. We are going to change the way the world sees God. Be sure and check out all the resources we have and consider going to impactministries.com, uh, clicking on the World Changer link and help us change the way the world sees God by participating in everything that we're doing. And I'll tell you more about that later. Thank you so much. Share this with a friend. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.